Hello, this is Josh Banner with the Invitation Podcast. I am very excited to welcome you into a conversation with my new friend, Nathan Foster of Renovare. I've managed to connect with Nathan a few times during his recent move from Michigan to Florida. My discussions with Nathan have been encouraging and life-giving, and he's an obvious great fit for the podcast. So we sat down a few months ago to record a conversation to share with you. I'm behind in posting this conversation online because there are many amazing things happening in and around my life with the Ministry of Spiritual Direction, the prison outreach, and also I've got a very exciting announcement to share with you as well. But before we get to Nathan and the announcement, let me draw your attention to a few updates. And I should warn you that this conversation with Nathan has ended up meaning so much to me that I have crafted what I think has turned out to be an audio essay as an introduction to my conversation with him. So if you want to skip directly to the conversation past my updates and my lengthy musings, go ahead and move on to, I think it's about 15 minutes in. On August 2nd this summer, I'm giving a Wednesday evening talk as part of Pillar Church's summer series. They've called Christ in the City. The topic for the summer is Blessed are the Peacemakers, Christian Discipleship in a Polarized World. My talk will be on the topic of visual beauty, and I'll be discussing the relationship of beauty and prayer. There are many good speakers that are sharing other topics throughout the summer on Wednesday nights at Pillar Church here in Holland, Michigan. You can check out their website, pillarchurch.com, for other information. I'm still very giddy to recommend Stovetop Coffee Roasters to you. And again, they are not an official sponsor for the Invitation Podcast, but Steve and Jared are former students of mine and their dear little brothers. And I'm becoming fast friends with Dave, their third partner as well. Jared helps me with some of the music that I use for the retreats on the podcast. And I also hope someday to get some of Steve's electric guitar goodness on some songs too. But here's the thing in recommending their coffee to you. Just like my love for Eighth Day Farm and nonprofits like 360 and Urban Garden, I love when any of my people have worked on a craft when they've developed that craft to the point of excellence, and when they risk and offer this craft to others. This is the journey of creative people. And so Stovetop Roasters represents that kind of love and care for their craft, from the quality of their beans to the quirky drawings on their packaging. So please check them out at stovetoproasters.com. They have kicked me a few bags Uh, And I, again, just love what they're up to. And speaking of things that inspire me, I just finished two weeks with The Awakening at Hope College. The Awakening is a week-long retreat for high school students focusing on worship and the arts. For the last two years, I've been writing a week-long retreat for these students. I take one week to walk the college student interns through the retreat, and then those college students helped me lead the high school students the following week. 
And by all accounts, this year, um, the Spirit of Jesus has been kind and generous to us and very, very present. The whole experience was a lovely opening of their hearts to each other, to God, and then to the goodness that is inside of their own selves. So I'm going to place the prayer guide from last year's, from 2016, on the resources page of the invitationpodcast.org. You might benefit from the retreat itself for your own prayer life. But if you have an organization that needs help designing a retreat or leading a retreat, please look through this prayer guide. You can steal and borrow from it, use it as a template or for some ideas, or you can reach out to me and perhaps I can be of help to you in leading a retreat for your church or nonprofit. My schedule is somewhat open now, but here's the big announcement. I am going to be getting a little bit more busy. It's going to get a bit more hectic around my household. I am excited to announce that Susanna, my dear wife, is pregnant and we will be having a baby girl added to our household within the next month. As a matter of fact, it could happen any day. She's due on July 14th. We'll see what happens. All of us here in the house are about to pass out with excitement. Shepard and Casper, my two boys, they're five and seven. They've been feeding each other in anticipation of spooning food into their little sister's mouth. They've been practicing. But as I've been watching Susanna's body change over the last eight months, I've often considered that I too am in my own very different way. I am in some ways also pregnant. In the space of leaving campus ministry at Hope College in 2013, I have been experiencing a new ministry and a new outreach swelling in my own guts. This podcast is a large part of this, but the substance of the things that are growing, the goodness that is growing inside of me, is what I'm experiencing, tasting, and seeing in the E.C. Brooks Correctional Facility in Muskegon, Michigan. It's about a 45-minute drive north of here. What I am changing through, what I am discovering and seeing, what is remaking my sense of who God is and who I am and what transformation looks like, is coming from praying with these prisoners. And quite frankly, they have become my favorite place, my favorite sense of church, my favorite sense of sharing. So with all these things, the private practice of spiritual direction, the um, podcast, the prison outreach, teaching opportunities, I'm at a stage with all these things that I'm actively beginning to assemble a nonprofit. So I just wanted to let you know about that, and please stay tuned for more updates on this development, and I'll be sharing ways for you to get involved. Speaking of startups and nonprofits, if you're in West Michigan, you should also put August 4th on your calendar now, and don't miss out on the Urban Garden Performing Arts. They have a bread show, or in Spanish, it is pronounced presentando pan. This will be a celebration of Latin American and Anglo-European bread-making traditions, featuring live performance, baking, 
in English and Spanish and original artwork by 10 regional artists. The Urban Garden is directed by our dear friend PJ Mask. And the list of artists that PJ's put together represents a diverse cross-section of our West Michigan community. And this enlargens my heart to see what she's up to. To my mind, we need more and more creative people who are becoming pregnant in their own ways and then sharing the fruit of their hard labor with our community. The arts, these things draw us together. They draw us closer to God if they're handled well, and they also help us understand more about our own selves and what can be more important than the breaking and the sharing of bread. There's so many levels of meaning to this event. So please put that on your calendar as well, August 4th, and check out PJ's website at urbangarden.wordpress.com. So I discovered Richard Foster in high school when I was listening to Christian radio on the back of a tractor. I grew up on a farm in Illinois and we always had the radio playing while we were outside working. Richard in this radio interview was speaking about his new book at that time on prayer. And this morning I just looked it up and saw the book Prayer, Finding the Heart's True Home was published in 1992. So I must have been listening to this radio broadcast the summer before my senior year. I remember listening to Richard Foster's voice and knowing that this must be a man who knows God. And so the next day I hustled to the bookstore and I bought the book. And this book, Prayer, Finding the Heart's True Home, and Richard Foster's other classic, Celebration of Discipline, were very important to me for the bulk of my early spiritual life. The intro to Celebration of Discipline ended up becoming a kind of vision statement for my life. Richard writes, Superficiality is the curse of our age. The desperate need today is not for a greater number of intelligent people or gifted people, but for deep people. And so this is not an overstatement. These words have inspired much of the scope of my life's decisions. Yet for much of my earlier adulthood, being deep became a kind of gross obsession to simply become a special person, to become deep as an artist, deep as a student and a reader of theology, and literature, philosophy, and culture. In many ways, I ended up departing from the very words that had initially inspired me. So by the beginning of my training in spiritual direction, unfortunately, there was a spirit of condescension in my heart towards authors like Richard Foster and Dallas Willard, because I was reading Eastern Orthodox authors like Alexander Schmemann and the Carmelite mystic poet St. John of the Cross. Again, the perversion was a focus on myself. I was trying to push myself farther and farther into the wildness of God, and this was at times more about me than about the goodness and the beauty and the love of Jesus. It is easy to become condescending to our past, to think that we've outgrown our parents, 
schools and the church that has reared us. I understand this is why many of my peers have ended up rejecting evangelicalism. As each of us mature, we do need to distinguish ourselves from our elders. Our relationship with God cannot be inherited. It must become our own and separate from those who have gone before us. But my arrogance and my condescension was very much the way of the Western mind. It's an oversimplification for me to assume that in order to become a unique and special individual with my own dignity, I need to cut ties with my community. This is an either-or mistake. Either I am my own man, doing it in Frank Sinatra's words, my way, or my identity is flattened and lost in the quagmire of my community in the past. Either I am pushing ahead, carving out my own destiny, or I'm trapped in conformity to the narrow limitations of my parents. The poet T.S. Eliot challenges this modern arrogance. He writes in his essay, Tradition and the Individual Talent, Quote, someone said, the dead writers are remote from us because we know so much more than they did. Precisely, they are that which we know, end quote. Or we can rephrase this and say, quote, some people say, my parents or my church or my teachers, they're old fuddy-duddies and they're out of touch I know so much more than they do. Exactly. You have learned to grow so well because of what your parents have taught you. Make a footnote here. Yes, this is exactly what Richard Rohr is talking about in his book, Falling Upward, the difference between the first and the second half of life. But one of my professors, Dr. Bruce Benson, told my freshman philosophy class that when we are young, our parents are the whole world to us. We want to be with them all the time and to be like them. In adolescence, we decide we don't want much to do with our parents, and so we go off on our own. We want desperately to be different from them. However, when we become adults, we recognize that no matter how hard we try, we are very much like them, inescapably so. I'll add that our journey into God ends up being so humbling that we eventually learn to confess that we haven't even begun to attain to, to live up to my mom and my dad. I still have much more to learn from them as well. And this is why I still self-describe as an evangelical Protestant Despite the political confusion surrounding that vocabulary, there is still more to learn and to celebrate from the people who have raised me. So why am I explaining all of this in an introduction to Nathan Foster? First, as I've moved into spiritual direction and have been trying to connect contemplative prayer with local churches, I've been led back to Dallas Willard and to Richard Foster and now I'm eating some kind of humble pie. 
I'm rehearsing how much they have taught me and I'm realizing how much more I have to learn from them. It seems that when I quibble with them, it's a disagreement all within the family and it makes me feel like I belong to something important and safe. Second, I'm explaining all these things because this is the experience of turning away from and then coming back to your father. This is the story of Nathan Foster that he tells in his first book, Wisdom Chaser, Finding My Father at 14,000 Feet. In this book, Nathan describes himself as once an, quote, angry nonconformist who hated the world, end quote. As the son of the author of one of the most important books on spiritual discipline, Nathan details his struggles with substance abuse and self-doubt, his failures to have anything like the discipline his father so well defined for the church. Sobriety and restoration with his father began when they decided to attempt hiking all of the 14,000-foot peaks in Colorado. Nathan remembers his internal questions climbing down from a mountain peak. He says, Questions danced in my tired mind. Exhilarated by our success on Mount Elbert, I began voicing them to myself. Can I actually finish college? Can I quit smoking? Can I stay sober? Can I become someone? Can I get to know the old man with the walking stick? In my conversation with Nathan, he explains further this tension with his dad. And we end up talking about parenting through love and by patient, humble example. In our conversation, Nathan says of his dad's parenting method, quote, he just took interest in my life and we climbed mountains together, end quote. Family was a core topic that came up in my last conversation with John Mark McMillan and Josh Garrels. And of course, this has something to do with our respective seasons of life. But the point is... The point that I'm trying to make here is that God wants to be involved in everything that often seems ordinary. The invitation here is to welcome God into everything we do, into the mundane daily duties that we go about. Nathan and I talk about several spiritual disciplines. And I'm glad we spent some time discussing the vocabulary of mysticism and whether mysticism is an important word for us today. So again, I invite you to not only listen to the informational content of our discussion, but listen to the spirit of our time together. And so here, Nathan and I are in a hotel in Jackson, Michigan, the evening Nathan had just closed on the sale of his home. feel like we are kindred spirits and uh, we've already covered so much ground over food a couple <laughs> times. And I, I, my hope and my prayer is that some of this conversation could be helpful to other people uh, as they listen in on what God is doing in and through you. <laughs> so for those that are unfamiliar with you and your writing and your work with Renovare, uh, can you give us a little... Uh, sketch of 
<laughs> There's probably a lot to say, <laughs> but what would you think would be important for people to know uh, as they think about who you are with Renovare and your writing and your family? Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, and professionally, I'm a clinical social worker mm-hmm. and taught social work for nine years in university and then uh, started a minor in spiritual formation, teaching in that. Uh, done work with Renovare for probably, probably five years now um, on, a, on some capacity. And then this last year, left the university to go full-time with Renovare. Um, for those that aren't familiar with Renovare, why don't you give us a little survey of what Renovare is, what it does today as sure. a ministry? Yep. Sure. Um, so it's an ecumenical um, movement of sorts, mm-hmm. uh, small uh, Christian nonprofit. Um, started in uh, about 25 years ago by my dad, Richard mm-hmm. Foster, and um, really started with the idea of uh, how can we draw on the richness of 2,000 years of Christianity and all the different traditions and streams and bring those people to the table. And so, um, you know, back in the late 80s to have a, a Lutheran pastor and a Southern Baptist, you know, on the stage together was unheard of. And uh, so started this this work um, for spiritual formation and uh, from an ecumenical perspective of how to help people uh, follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. And um, we do a number of different things. Um, uh, historically, a lot of conferences, um, not so much these days, but uh, writing and publishing. Uh, we have a two-year institute. Um, our web presence has been growing um, I do a podcast uh, mm-hmm. every week for him. Um, yeah, I don't know. You know Renovare. Right? Did I? Yeah, what did I, what I leave out? <laughs> that's great. Well, I mean, as I hear you rehearse that, it helps me not take for granted the pioneering work of the ecumenicism. Mm. Um, it probably struck me when I discovered Renovare in high school that that was unique. But I think I've probably learned to take that for granted hmm. because I'm, uh, I would describe what I'm doing with the invitation as ecumenical. But, but yeah, that's really great. Could you give a, an explanation of why and how Renovare really was one of the, uh, is it fair to say a vanguard in ecumenical ministry in the late 80s, 90s? Oh, I don't know. There's probably lots, probably lots others. others. Yeah, sure. um, I mean, I think to me the some of the interesting pieces about Renovare that I think are somewhat unique is very intentionally not trying to become a big mm-hmm. corporate ministry. Intentionally not owning property. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's a little bit of a joke, but the name is it's Latin for renewal. Mm-hmm. Um, and my dad loved the idea that it. Wasn't real. Didn't have a big market appeal to it, um, and that's that speaks to some of the ethos of let's help propel a movement mm-hmm. and not stick our name on everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but intentionally moving slow, intentionally not trying to uh, conquer the world, but mm-hmm. to be a faithful witness to mm-hmm. uh, work that God seems to be up to. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't answer your question, did that's I? That's fine. <laughs> no, that's great. Yeah, the uh, the ecumenicism of it. So you would not say that 
necessarily it's not Renovar is not self-consciously attempting to be a vanguard of ecumenicism no I'm, no i'm doing a, a, a good uh so i'm doing a good job of of, of being josh banner and overstating things <laughs> so um so that's good well there's not a lot of organizations i've mm-hmm. been familiar with mm-hmm. where you'll have people from, you know, kind of all denominations mm-hmm. uh, at the table mm-hmm. and getting along and, you know, deeply uh, caring for one another. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's really been, it's really quite beautiful community. Mm-hmm. Um, You've described it to me before as your home, really, mm-hmm. growing up around that. Somewhat. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I didn't really engage in, until I was an adult, mm-hmm. um, but the people, Mm-hmm. And being with them mm-hmm. uh, for their yearly gatherings mm-hmm. has come to mean a tremendous amount. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the most beautiful kind of quiet communities I've ever been a part of. Um, this feels like a little piece of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And and so for me to get to um, be a part of it in a formal way, mm-hmm. uh, full time, is just a real, mm-hmm. my, there's nowhere else I'd rather work. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I can say that. The seven streams that were mapped six. out. Six. Yeah. Okay. Six streams. Was that something that your dad just named? Did he work with a group of people to identify those six? Um, he, uh, it came out of a, actually, he should tell the story because it's very interesting. Okay. Um, but he's not here to tell it. So <laughs> uh, where, where it just, he was doing a jog mm-hmm. and, and, and he would say, but. I'd go very, very slow. <laughs> yeah. It's not really a, a fast walk, you know. And it just hit him, these looking historically that there's kind of mm-hmm. all the movements of God in the last 2,000 years, um, as, as Chris Hall likes to say, the, the Holy Spirit has a history. Mm-hmm. And that these rich traditions and bringing them all together. Mm-hmm. So, you know, looking at the charismatic movement and all the goodness that that's brought and the holiness tradition or the contemplative, um, the sacramental, social justice, uh, the evangelical. And taking, it's not that we're, you know, kind of picking and choosing what we like, but saying these are, you know, six significant ways that God has been at work among his people. And what can we learn from them? And how can we have a kind of balanced um, vision for our life with God? Um, Yeah, so that would be the six streams. In my last conversation that I did with John Mark McMillan and Josh Garrels, I, I attempted at one point to try to name all, and I named him as seven. <laughs> <laughs> well, and if so, you can think of a seventh, my dad sometimes, he's like, I wanted seven, because, you know, it's a good number, but it just just couldn't. Uh, Not only did seemed... I get the number wrong, but then I couldn't remember all six of them. <laughs> um, so let's let's give it a shot here. So we get okay. charismatic, yeah. social justice, kind of biblical, evangelical, like, uh, evangelical, yeah, evangelical, word-centered life, word-centered uh-huh. life, um, sacramental, sacramental. Mm-hmm. So that would be more like kind of a high church. Yeah, and also the uh, well, before we even go into, I mean, just to pause. Yeah, the tricky part is we're trying to compartmentalize things sure. that aren't really compartmentalized. Sure. Sure. Um, but yeah, in the sacramental, you know, kind of high church liturgy, but then this the ordinariness, God mm-hmm. in every day and nature mm-hmm. and sacramental life. Okay, um, okay. So where are we at? That was four. So we get social justice. We get social justice. Social yeah. justice. Even charismatic, evangelical, um, sacramental, uh, contemplative, contemplative. Okay, uh-huh. which could overlap with high church for some parts of the historical church. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. always obviously there's going to be lots of overlap because, like you're saying, uh, the point here isn't to. 
to draw boxes that people no. are contained in, but to just give us some vocabulary mm-hmm. for what's possible. So mm-hmm. contemplative and then holiness is the last holiness. One. Okay. Yeah. Beautiful. And that would be Wesleyan tradition, mm-hmm. largely Methodism for those of you that aren't familiar with that. <laughs> um, where would the reformed would then probably be with the word centered? Yeah, okay. you can probably find Great. pieces of that. And you, most denominations, you'll see echoes of you probably two streams, if not more. Sure. Um, yeah. And they, I think the idea is there's much to learn from mm-hmm. each other rather than um, fighting over uh, dogma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, how, how can we learn from the way that God has been at work mm-hmm. among his people? What I like about that approach and it's really great. I'm, I'm a verbal processor. So <laughs> I, I have to um, point out, as I told you last time we hung out, that I discovered um, your dad's book on uh, prayer, finding the heart's true home. Uh-huh. I think I was 17 <laughs> listening to, uh, it was probably Dr. Dobson, probably focus really? on the family interview wow. with him, maybe something like that. I, you know, I could... Maybe. I I said it because the Christian radio station that I grew up listening to on uh, when I was driving the tractors and the farm (laughs) did a lot of folks. It could have been something else. The point is that I noticed that kind of that language. And so now, whatever, 2017, (laughs) boy, I can't do the math right now. (laughs) Um, Many years later, uh, to be able to verbalize this to you that um, I think there's a, a, a sense that we often think of these doctrinal differences between mm-hmm. churches and really what is the difference is the spirituality. Mm-hmm. And of course we don't want to disregard the importance of the doctrine and the theology that's been hard, right. uh, hard, hard work um, to nail that down and communicate. That's very important. But uh, most people in the pews are not walking around with a deep understanding of the Heidelberg catechism. <laughs> It's just the fact sure. uh, maybe uh, at the church I just was serving at, maybe folks that are 50 to 60 would know mm-hmm. <laughs> some of the mm-hmm. question and answers. But really it's personality, it's spirituality, it's how we pray, it's how we talk to God. So having those six streams uh, is really important to me as a spiritual director now hmm. to help people. F- it frees them up mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. say you've grown up in this tradition you don't understand that. And, and, uh, mm. so in all these things, uh, what would you self identify with most? What one or two? Oh, on the strings. Yeah. Um, I, I've kind of gone through seasons sure. and I'll feel kind of movements into different streams. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think I've swam pretty well in a lot of them and, um, I mean, contemplative has probably been, I mean, that's just an easy fit for me mm-hmm. in the kind of quiet and slow. Your, um, your riding life is a, is a, you were just talking at dinner about riding a bike, <laughs> sure. taking some books along in your basket, yeah, getting yeah. A, the contemplative kind of pensive life. You, That's been helpful for me. Yeah. And, it, and it isn't because that's naturally suited necessarily. Okay. Cause, cause I can get pretty high strong. Okay. Um, it's just, that's been real helpful. Okay. And, um, yeah, so that's, that's a real comfortable one mm-hmm. for me to kind of, kind of be in that and social justice. Those would probably be the two that are kind of, you know, most comfortable uh-huh. in a sense, but, um, had, had just wonderful seasons of exploring, um, probably recently the, the, the evangelical, the word center life and holiness, mm. Those two have probably been in the last year or two really been 
uh, I'm finding a lot of life mm. in exploring those. So when you name the social justice, I, I haven't explored much about your social work degree. Mm -hmm. So uh, what does that look like? And maybe give us a, a glimpse of your background in social justice sure. and then maybe how that affects who you are and what you think about social justice mm -hmm. today. Mm -hmm. well, nobody's ever asked me about that. <laughs> um, yeah, let me see where I want to go with that. Uh, I mean, so in, in teaching uh, social work for for those years, um, that was a um, that was a really helpful space for me to work with some ideas and not be on the front line mm -hmm. or sort. Um, but when I practice social work, um, I mean, I think. I mean, there's so many different ways to work with social justice. And for me, I've really synthesized it down into um, the little things. Mm -hmm. So I'm a big fan of big things. And mm -hmm. and there's much work that needs to be done. Mm -hmm. And and we should pursue that. Um, but for me, it's it's really plays itself out in the person in front of me. Mm -hmm. um, and the spaces that I place myself into, the people that I, um, you know, am I taking time? to stop and talk to the person on the street who would would like me to give them money, you know, mm -hmm. and and engaging them as a human being uh, and bringing dignity and worth and value. Um, that's where that tradition is playing itself out for me, mm -hmm. uh, for me now. And I've moved away from, I mean, I you spend years studying this stuff. You get your, the more you work with a social problem, the deeper and the more complicated and ultimately, mm -hmm. um, I just have fewer and fewer answers through the years. Yeah. Um, but that feels like a good space for me these days where I'm not professionally engaged in uh, some of the struggles and darkness in our, in our world is to the person in front of me. Mm -hmm. What is the next thing for me to do mm -hmm. in ways that I can, as a, a kind of obedience to God, to mm -hmm. what breaks God's heart, break my heart, mm -hmm. and how can I show up? How can I be in that? Um, yeah, so it's been a journey of kind of zealously, you know, angry, passionate, and, and then intellectualizing and, and then, uh, and today it's pretty simple hmm. and who knows what it'll be in the next <laughs> 10 years. <huh? laughs> Thank you. So in terms of getting to know you a bit better, yeah. um, the second question that I'm inviting folks to answer in these interview conversations is if there is a a tradition, a person, a book, a living person, someone in the history of the church, when you think about Christianity that you want to continue to grow into, hmm. and it could be somebody that formed you early on that you still um, are inspired by, what what do you turn to? Um, what, what are you growing? Who are you growing with? Who are you learning from? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I do find uh, a, a home in the kind of Christian mystics or devotional uh, writers. Um, and, you know, people like Brother Lawrence, um, Teresa, and, and Julian, and hmm. others have, um, I find a com camaraderie. Um, certainly the Desert Fathers, have, hmm. at least in the recent years, have been... Uh, well, they just mess with my head, and I, and I, and I kind of like that. As they will, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
um, probably, I mean, this, uh, I don't really talk about this much, but some of the people that um, I've, I've met in, in the Renovari ministry team mm. and board, mm. um, just people living ordinary lives well, loving others well. Mm. Um, and, and you know, people like my dad has yeah. been real helpful. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I, I kind of have a team of yeah old and new. Yeah. Um, Great. Um, so you alluded to the sense that uh, it wasn't until you're more of an adult that you really felt like you were going to welcome Renovare and the world of your father into your life. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, uh, you've written about that, some of your story with your, about your father, that, yeah. that book that you wrote about with him. Uh, could you give us a little... A sneak preview into the, that that story through that sure. book and what that book's about and yeah yeah the book's called Wisdom Chaser mm-hmm. Finding My Father at fourteen thousand feet mm-hmm. and essentially it's a narrative of my twenties um, so uh, growing up didn't wasn't particularly close to my dad um, and then in my twenties uh, we both lived in Colorado and we started climbing mountains together and we climbed about twenty five fourteen thousand foot mountains together over a nine-year period. And somewhere in those hikes with my dad, we became really good friends. Mm-hmm. And so this it's a fun story because mm-hmm. it starts off in this kind of who is this guy to, to where he's like my best friend. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's that one. In one sense, it's a little embarrassing that I'm um, a part of you know, some of his work and that I'm speaking and teaching and in spiritual formation it'd be a whole lot easier if it wasn't his work mm-hmm. um, but uh that maybe speaks to some of the beauty of how convinced i am of mm-hmm. how important uh helping people grow deeper in life with god is mm-hmm. and how beautiful some of this is um so it's a it's kind of a cool journey and, and i've written you know so, some of it and, and not all of it but um yeah i discovered much of this work in formation like Everybody else does. I yep. picked up some books and started yep. reading and thought, oh my goodness, there's a whole nother life here with God that I just, yep. I missed this. I didn't get this. And and then I just became curious and wanted to learn more. So, yep. so my journey in a sense is not that different. Although I did have this kind of friendship with my dad that um, was teaching me uh, that I didn't know was teaching me. It wasn't until later that I would go back, oh, wait a minute. This was kind of the way he he lives. Um, it was kind of a neat uh, learning from him. I think it's a, it's actually astounding as mm-hmm. a as a father of two boys mm-hmm. about to have a little girl in July. <laughs> Congrats! <laughs> Hello. <laughs> so excited about being a father, about shaping these uh, children, and uh, the I think some of my frustrations with the evangelical tradition, which I still love, but mm-hmm. which I came from, is the overbearing nature of, mm-hmm. uh, of a discipleship of children or, mm-hmm. or Sunday school programatizing faith. Mm-hmm. And so uh, actually, it's a conversation with Lacey Finn Borgo, mm-hmm. who you mm-hmm. have as part of Renovare and yeah. part of the instruction team for my uh, doctoral studies at Fuller, uh, talking to her about what she works with children. Mm-hmm. What, what would you, you know, I know she's done stuff with, with family and parenting with you on the, your podcast, mm-hmm. but just to say, just live your life with God. Yeah. 
and let the spirit, let them be curious is what she told me. Uh-huh. And it's, and what is that what I'm hearing you say that your, your dad did not, am I assuming too much here that he didn't over, um, programatize? No. And, and he just let you, it sounds like he let you go through some failures yeah, and I I, some confusion and. It's tough to say, like, what is the right way, sure. you know? And so, I mean, I could speak about it from my own experience as a child, but mm-hmm. then my own experience as parent is a parent. My dad didn't, he didn't talk about it much. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't, I didn't really know, knew, know about his work growing up. Um, I mean, I guess we don't often with our yeah. parents know what they do, but um, no, he didn't. And he doesn't now yeah. uh, over preach it at all. Uh, it usually is my questions. I'll try and get him talking, and sometimes, you know, we can launch into things. What was really cool to me was, okay, okay I got a story. Great a story. Okay. So um, first year teaching, uh, I went to teach, and, and I was 30 years old, and I was nervous as it come. Like, I had no, I was such a faker, and I knew it, <laughs> and I was just spent the whole year waiting for someone to call me out as a, you know, fraud, and... Uh, <laughs> I worked so hard, Josh, like 2 a.m. every night, prepping, doing everything I could to sound smart, you know, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> End of the year, I'm hanging out with a student. We're sitting on a park bench, and he says, Nate, I think you're the best professor I've ever had. And I thought, I kind of puffed up, and I thought, well, man, all that 2 a.m. stuff, you know, pay like I really, and, and, uh, uh, and, and then he goes, it's not really like anything you taught us. Right, uh, <laughs> you, you you just you just seem to care about us, mm. and I'm go well. Of course, well that's easy, yeah. right? Like yeah. um, uh, he didn't all my you know. I mean, mm. yes, be a good professor, do the work, but all the stuff I thought was important was not. Uh, mm. It was just being with them, and I'd have lunch with them, and I'd ask them about their lives, and I'd um, kind of try and incorporate the teaching into what was relevant for them in their lives. And it was so helpful because it was I kind of sit back and pause and go, oh, that's kind of what my dad did. <laughs> he just took an interest in my life. Mm-hmm. And we climbed mountains together and hung out. Uh-huh. And uh, But I didn't catch that until 10 years later. Yeah. It just popped like, mm-hmm. oh, you just be with people. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds so simple. What you're saying Growing up and not knowing what your father did, I didn't know much about my dad's work as an attorney and a farmer and a professor. It was just my dad. Right. Like, so why would it be any different for you? And and that sense of the familiarity. Uh, you you're you're a kid. You're growing up. You're living your life. Uh-huh, uh-huh. These aha moments kind of emerge. Uh-huh. Slow. They're really not fair to call them aha moments. They just, for me at least, they just yeah. kind of like. Oh, that's, that's what my family's like. <laughs> isn't all learning that way? Yeah, it's yeah. a gradual process yeah. that we usually don't yeah. know until later that it's yeah. occurred. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. when you we go back then to talk about discovering the mystics and realizing, oh my gosh, we were just again talking mm-hmm. about that at dinner. Once you discover that these kinds of... Uh, um, ways of approaching prayer, God, mm. scripture, reading, relationship. Mm. If you realize that's possible, you look I look back at my Christian experience and wonder, well, what was I doing before? <laughs> Why did I bother with any of this? 
and and then I want to put together a podcast to help everybody else come <laughs> along with me on this journey. And uh, I think there's something so beautiful mm-hmm. about people's commitment mm-hmm. to a faith mm-hmm. that that doesn't speak to some of these deeper spaces. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Does that make sense? Talk about that some more. The people that will show up week in, week out, devote their time, energy, and 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 not be um, invited into this kind of all-consuming love friendship with Jesus um, that then begins to uh, dig to some of these character spaces of uh, uh, conforming and and into the image of Jesus um, that that they'll kind of. They're not necessarily being given something that has a depth or that even has a God that likes them with it, right? Mm-hmm. But yet they're still faithful and they mm-hmm. still show up and they still are, you know, uh, do what they are kind of asked or mm-hmm. think to do. There's something really beautiful to me about that. Um, and I kind of admire that. That's a, a good word. It's a good word for me, especially here in this space, because mm. I want to confess I can become impatient <laughs> and wondering uh, what we're all doing. And I and I've said over and over on the podcast that I don't want to give cynicism mm. a foothold. Mm-hmm. That's an easy, that's low hanging yeah, fruit. It it's easy way. Um, <laughs> judgmentalism, self righteousness, but then to invite people, the scope of the invitation is to somehow suppose that there's a next step, that there's mm-hmm. a further journey. Mm-hmm. And so there's a discernment in that mm-hmm. and how to hold that discernment without becoming cynical mm-hmm. about people's mm-hmm. weakness. That's a pastor's heart. That's a shepherd. Mm-hmm. So um, th- that's what I hear from you. You're saying there's something to be in awe of even with their faithfulness. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a shepherd mm-hmm. to me and the way you say that. So thank you. Sure. Well, I, I mean, it, 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 it's, a, it's born out of my own lack of, because I couldn't do it. Mm. Like I just got, uh, I mean, my own kind of church experience of, I just, I mean, if this is all there is, mm. I'm, 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 you know, mm. I have more interesting things to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but those people are faithful and yeah. they, you know, and I think it's a kind of longing for God. Mm. And, and even if it's caught up in building projects and, mm. you know, trying to convert the world, um, <laughs> There's some beautiful mm-hmm. things in there too. So bringing it back around to this, the story that you told of, about this student, uh, <laughs> I really am such a process of verbal processor in a sense that one of the things that I've been teaching college students for a while that I need to connect, you've helped me now connect this with being a good parent mm. is that we have an implicit curriculum I'm talking mm-hmm. about the explicit and the implicit curriculum. So the implicit curriculum is that letter the Spirit has written on our hearts that we're living mm-hmm. epistles, uh, that's the scripture behind that. And so we trust that if we love, and my, my story for that would be when I taught uh, sixth graders for three years. Mm-hmm. I knew I could taught 10th graders before at a kind of college prep high school. I knew they, the 10th graders had to, they had to dive in the deep end of the pool with me and they had to go for it. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't have to hold their hand. Mm-hmm. I should have, I should have been better at that. <laughs> but with the sixth graders, I, I realized they would not learn anything from me until I was safe. Mm-hmm. I literally had to be on my knees mm. every day 
to be able to connect with them. And that was one of my biggest lessons. So that's the implicit curriculum of love that I just mm. show up. So now you're, you're helping me connect that. Of course, that's the most important thing <laughs> for Casper and Shepherd and for she who will be yep, named in July. Mm. <laughs> so thank you for that too. Yeah. So you have three kids, two, two kids yep. and a wife who makes music. Yeah. And you just moved uh, to Florida. <laughs> Was that a, was that a was that a cold shiver? Well, I know I just oh. I was I, I was admitting that I keep calling it Georgia because yeah. you just moved there from uh, from Michigan and yeah. and so um, and so you're doing the podcast down there. You're doing some teaching. Uh, still working on some writing right uh-huh. now. I am great. I am. Yeah, great. So again, one of the questions, the third question I I offer is in regards to your own personal prayer practice. And I want to say that uh, I want to respect the secret place the spirit takes Mm. us to. This is not an opportunity to um, do exactly the opposite of what Jesus told us to do. (laughs) You don't mean to kiss and tell, huh? (laughs) Um, You're supposed to go into your secret prayer closet. But if if you were to think about uh, the folks that you speak to in your podcast, or Mm. you think about the state of the church today, and you think about our conversations, are there some prayer practices that have been really helpful to you that you might be still practicing now Mm. um, that Mm. you would want to recommend and bring to our attention? I think it, it it's always. I mean, I, I used the word seasons earlier, but I'll I'll go back to that. That yeah. they're kind of movements. That this kind of shifts of um, different ways that we engage relationally with God. So I could speak to kind of what I'm cooking now. That's great. Yeah. What's been um, the word listen has been popping quite a bit and creating space to listen. Um, I think through the years, prayers become much more uh, listening than talking. Um, but even in that, I felt a shift to, I, I even actually it's kind of clear of, you can say more, Nate, you know? <laughs> like you went away from the laundry list. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I kind of began to reject this idea of just, let me just pour everything out that I want from God and then close the door and go about my day. Um, and I'm moving back to list in mm. a really beautiful way. Mm. Um, uh, writing, been writing my prayers, mm. um, been journaling a lot this year, and uh, you know, I write a few lines and then pause and, what do you think about that? And then listen, and sometimes absolutely nothing comes, mm-hmm. and sometimes something really, really helpful mm. comes. Um, that's been really helpful. I'll often for prayer, I just. It, it, just pause. I'm washing dishes and I go, oh, hi. <laughs> How are you? And just, you know, what are you, what, what are we, what are you up to today? And what, what's, um, I've been stuck with this idea uh, for quite a while now that uh, God is ever pursuing each of us, mm. ever longing to be more intimately involved in all the details of our lives. And so all these things that I'll worry about or get hung up on or am trying to control and manage that God's in that mm-hmm. and and ever wooing me into something deeper. And so um, that's been some of those, hi, how are you, mm-hmm. is 
this situation, whether good or bad, what do you have for me in it? Mm-hmm. What do you want me to learn here? And then trying to create space to listen for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if there's anything. I mean, I'm always very resistant to give prescriptive practices. You right. know, as right. I think you probably are too. Be very careful um, with that for sure. Because God, we're individual we're unique Mm -hmm. and, and God works with us in unique ways Mm -hmm. as we grow. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I, I kind of find it fun and really enjoyable Mm -hmm. to, to see these seasons that Mm -hmm. God leads me through. Um, The, um, the listening, the spontaneity of that. I, I talk about dishes a lot. You know, you <laughs> talked about Brother Lawrence earlier. You know, it'd be easy to put that on some sort of historian or romantic pedestal. But I just find, and we were talking about Kathleen Norris earlier, the quotidian mysteries, quotidian being those disciplines that we do ordinarily every day. We make mm-hmm. our beds. Do you make your bed, Josh? No, I don't. Okay. (laughs) Um, Most of us, some other people, my (laughs) wife sometimes, um, uh, whatever that thing would be, uh, brushing your teeth, you know, uh, getting your clothes out. Yeah. All those things, uh, those are primarily, those are fundamentally the most important Mm -hmm. chances we have Mm -hmm. every day Mm -hmm. to turn yeah. To as you say, to listen and mm-hmm. to say, "Oh, you're you're pursuing me. Mm-hmm. You're aware of me." And mm-hmm. we we place the prescriptive nature of spiritual disciplines would be now, Nathan. You better go over here. And somebody might actually have thought, you know, being the son of Richard Foster, he probably grew up in a house where his dad's telling him, and there's probably some (laughs) some good people that are reading Richard Foster that are doing that. Like you need to go over and read the Bible this way. And you need to Mm -hmm. memorize the scripture. That would be the prescription instead of God is everywhere. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he is actively inside of my thoughts, inside of Mm -hmm. my heart. And I have the gift of turning to him mm-hmm. in the midst of the ordinary. And that's, mm-hmm. that's been your experience of late. Yeah. So. I mean, that's, it, it has. Yeah. And, and here's the cool thing with some of these spiritual practices is as we learn and work in new ways, we don't leave, we don't necessarily need to leave the old behind. Right. And we are kind of accumulating some of this. And so um, there, there can be a danger of, well, I found the mm-hmm. secret code or something. Right. And, um, so, um, you know, having intentional times mm-hmm. of, you know, doing specific practices, um, intentionally, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And finding ways in, in the ordinary, mm-hmm. um, and in the people, that's a big one mm-hmm. too. Um, I mean, the tasks we do that are mundane and taking the kids here and there and doing laundry or, Paying bills, whatever that. There's a fun one in the middle of bills. Where are you here, right? You know. Um, but then also the people that we encounter and these wonderful sacred spaces where we get to interact with another person created in the image of God, loved beyond our wildest imaginations. And I get to interact with them. I get to say hi. Um, and there's something very special and um uh, there's something good there it's it's so easy to be irritated with people 
mm-hmm. and how they're um, not doing things the way I want them to, or they're uh, uh, getting in the way of my progress, mm-hmm. whether I'm in traffic or a line or, you know, whatever. But it's lovely. <laughs> So drawing back, you had mentioned that you're inspired by the mystics, that those Mm. are... Do we need to clarify that term? Yeah, that'd be great. What would you, uh, how would you go about that? Yeah, well, I'd be curious how you would. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I I mean, I can, I will. Yeah, yeah, well, let's let's both offer. um, um, So I think that's kind of what I was wanting to get at here. When we often think about the mystics, we want to caricaturize some sort of ecstatic supposedly Teresa Vila levitated, you know, yeah, we have these, uh, this sculpture of her <laughs> in her, um, ecstasy. And so, um, the John of the cross very clearly said, do not pursue these favors. She said that as well. Mm-hmm. And John, John said, uh, that's like having a spiritual sweet tooth. Mm-hmm. If you only come to God because you right. want these experiences. So what we're saying is if God really is a mystical presence, we're saying that he is able to engage us directly mm-hmm. and that that can happen mystically in the most ordinary parts mm-hmm. of our day. Sure. This does not have to be uh, something that people are going to you know, canonize so we could become saints right, someday. Right. This is mysticism. It's what I've been working on in my 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 writing for, for Fuller, for my doctoral program, I'm just calling it practical mysticism. Uh-huh. That's a good term. So um, there's my, I just done, I could say a little bit more, but how would you describe, uh, define mysticism? Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky word because um, for many people, they think of Eastern, yep. um, Eastern religions. And, and I, I think just real simply, a, a mystic is someone who, who prays and expects or is looking, longing for God to answer. And um, it's interactive. That's um, a Christian mystic to me is looking for experiences, interactive experiences with God. And I think you're, I mean, you're right on track with that, with this kind of spiritual sweet tooth. And it's, um, uh, if if God would like to offer some of those experiences, Mm -hmm. I would be ever grateful. Um, And I'd say thank you. And if if he chooses not to, Say thank you too. Yep. You know, right. we t- we take what's before us. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of none of my business how mm-hmm. tingly I get to feel in my interactions yeah. with God. Mm-hmm. That's kind of weird to say none of my business. I don't concern myself with that. No, that's not obedience or devotion. It's that's, not, it, that's shooting up. That's chasing a high. <laughs> it, it, uh, I think of Psalm one thirty one. My eyes are not lifted up too mm-hmm. high. I have not, I'm not consuming myself with thoughts that are more lofty than I am. That that the uh, this is the, the kind of the alternative consciousness. This is what's really hard to talk about in plain speak because prayer is only something you learn by doing it. But I can try mm-hmm. to use language as best I can to point people to this other kind of way of thinking about the kingdom of God. That that yes, we get to go into the presence of the creator of the universe. That's a big thing. Mm-hmm. That's a mystic. Mm-hmm. That's that's where the mysticism mm-hmm. could maybe be. Um, really exciting. But on the other hand, our path into that is very lowly, <laughs> very <laughs> humble. And simple and ordinary. And yeah. that's why I mm-hmm. think he invites us uh, to become like children. Mm-hmm. So we, we take what mm-hmm. the Father wants to give us, mm-hmm. not, not with expectations. This mm-hmm. is the way you should love me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there is something that's interesting to kind of play off of that with children because 
children expect their parents to respond. Mm. You know, when they have a need, they expect their parent mm. and they trust. Mm-hmm. And, and that's very much for us. Mm. Uh, learning to trust mm. is probably where all this ends up going. And, and, and that gives the assumption that there's going to be a response from God, that God's going to be with us. God's not forgotten us, and that—I mean, that yeah, mysticism because mm-hmm. maybe not a helpful word for people because yeah. it comes with yeah. baggage. But that's essentially all. Yeah, looking at yeah, it is a word that I know of evangelicals that that appreciate that word, but they're they're careful not to use it because of the baggage it has. Sure. One of my hopes is to frequently use that language in the podcast to help people become more familiar with what I would understand a historically and a biblically sound way of uh-huh. understanding this um, that does not make us into spiritual elitists or... Right. Um, Let's redeem the word, shall we? That's, what I, that's <laughs> exactly what I'm... Retrieval, retrieval. Um, I would do the... Do you know the, uh, Frank Laubach's Letters by a Modern Mystic? Yeah, right. I used to teach that book at Did a... You? At a you know, a Christian liberal arts yeah. college. And I, I day one, I'd always have to give mm-hmm. some description yeah. of this because they mm-hmm. didn't know what to do with that yeah. language. But yeah. um, mm-hmm. but it's certainly very biblical. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Great. Thank you. Um, so with that, that issue of trust, I do think that's the core of faith. Mm. That is what faith is. It's just how do we, we become at home with God's will, with ourselves and God's will. And so the next area of my questions that I um, am offering is what the greatest obstacle is that you might see. Um, if you could help me like, kind of take a state of the union appro- approach as a, as a person who writes and thinks about what's happening in the church around us, how you decide what topics to write about, um, part of that is the discernment of where where are we, <laughs> and is is there a sense that 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 issue of trust is at the core of that? Is there any connection there? Hmm. That's a good question. I mean, I mean, maybe I'll take this from two perspectives: from a kind of larger uh, society. Um, probably the biggest pitfall is our hurry, busyness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we've um, we're in a unique time in human history. I mean, people have always kind of been not always, but it's not particularly new to be busy and hurried, but never at this type of level. And we've we kind of engineer our lives that way for for lots of reasons. But um, and probably the um, biggest uh, uh, um, loss in that is that we we, we carve out or we effectively choke out the spirit and rush madly from one thing to the next. So that's probably on a society basis. And certainly that is um, something that is constantly pecking at me. Um, the one that that I found really interesting uh, is worry. Mm. And I kind of come to this conclusion that there's always going to be something for me to worry about. I'm always going to have something in life that is unsettled, undone, that I'm waiting to get through. And um, because I think I've had this background of going, well, once I get this done or once this happens, then everything will be okay. And um, 
at 43 now, I can say. Um, when I get through that one thing, another one pops up, you know? And so uh, working with this idea uh, of how do I learn to be content and how uh, in the midst of all these situations I don't like, things I can't control, and um, but not realizing the problem is more me than the exterior, that there's always going to be something to consume my uh, worry and anxiety. Uh, that's not the problem. It, 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 it's, I mean, that is a problem at some level, but it's my reaction to them and how I'm dealing with it. I had a good picture at the, at the, um, I live in Florida now, yes? Mm-hmm. Not Georgia, Florida. <laughs> and uh, at the ocean, I was watching the waves come in and some of the waves would be big and some would be small, but they'd always come. And I thought maybe that's a little like life in our struggles and um, uh, suffering. There's always something. It's a mess. And, but sometimes it's big, sometimes it's little. Uh, and, but they always go out. So change is always happening. And so how do we learn to live in this time between the ages, mm-hmm. you know, this kingdom life here and now as we wait patiently for eternity mm-hmm. um, and and not get lost in the individual waves mm-hmm. or drown. <laughs> yeah. And that reminds me again of what you're saying when you're doing the dishes. Huh. It's where we go in our inner self in that moment. We could be washing the dishes, uh, walking a dog, driving to the next thing and we could be playing all that panic yep. through our heart and our mind. Could all be. That worry. I, I, I do that quite frequently. Yeah, Josh. right. Me, <laughs> me too. Speaking out of, we, we do, we could, or we could be looking in between those waves and, yeah. and finding, oh, you're here with me. Yeah. Oh, hello. <laughs> Every, oh, you, you want a companion with me through uh, the day? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's something. I mean, we have those choices, don't mm-hmm. we? That I can mm-hmm. really get lost in my worry and anxiety or mm-hmm. trying to manage and control things. Mm-hmm. Um, or I can kind of step aside and go, what, what's the bigger picture here that you're up to with me? Mm-hmm. And what is there for me to learn in this? And how can I be responsive to that? Mm-hmm. Um, boy, it really, some of that begins to feel like the easy yoke mm-hmm. that Jesus Yeah. Uh, offers to us that there's a certain ease and a grace when we're living in that divine center of eager expectancy of what do you have for me today? Mm. Um, yeah. And the yoke is that that bit of participation we bring to it, that we mm. do become aware of our thoughts and mm-hmm. we realize, oh, I'm thinking about things that are going to wear me out and (laughs) and I'm going to try as I'm able. And then by grace pivot Mm -hmm. to be aware of that easy, that, that, that nice uh, stride with Mm -hmm. the spirit to walk Mm -hmm. with him. So many different ways to get at. And, and that's exactly where the mysticism for me happens. Like Mm -hmm. what? Mm -hmm. This breaks in to all of the heaviness that I would otherwise get lost in. Mm -hmm. If that's not mystical, <laughs> I don't know what it is, you know. God has just helped me pick up my son from uh, first grade, you know, from, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm just a t- 
tired and my younger son is in the back of the car yabbering on. <laughs> I got to go home and make dinner. And then I just stop and I think, oh, Sac- sacred space. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Well, with that, in terms of building that trust, um, what do you think are some of the best ways to stay in the scriptures for people to fill their mm. their hearts and their minds with there's lots of different ways of approaching the scriptures. Are there some particular ways that you found more helpful mm. of being with the scripture in the last uh, season? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Um, I mean, this is this is this maybe this one more than well. This is an area where we can we can we can really do damage with people mm. by coming up with a system of this is how you got to do it. And, right. and if you're not doing it, then, right. you know, you better spend 30 minutes a day sure. plowing through scripture. And, um, and so it's, so whatever the method is, mm-hmm. uh, it's not that it's just willy nilly do whatever mm-hmm. either. Um, but for me, as with any practice, I, I, I always begin by asking, at least I like to. How, what do you want me to work on? Hmm. So with scripture, that's been the, what, you know, how do you, what do you want me to read? Hmm. How do you want me to read it? Hmm. Do you want me to read fast? Do you want me to read slow? Hmm. And then just do my best to listen and then respond. Hmm. Um, this year has been really an interesting time in working with uh, scripture. Uh, really good. I've been spending a lot of time um, reading through a, a number of verses Try trying to memorize mm-hmm. and um um uh not and trying to be very intentional that the point is not to memorize, the point is to just get it in, mm-hmm. you know, uh bury this stuff deep in and and not get consumed with how much text I'm memorizing, sure. but just digest, ingest these verses. And it's been re- that's been a fun experience of getting away from my own you know, how much can I memorize or not? But, um, and then at night, I found this helps me sleep really, really well. I'll just run through the verses I've been working on. Okay. And so I've got, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 verses mm-hmm. that I've been working with for the last three, four months. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't have very many memorized, mm-hmm. but I'm eating them, yeah. you know, chewing on them. Little bits here and there mm-hmm. that you can can take your your conscious thoughts to some uh, some something to solidly hang on to yeah. from each of those yeah. yeah and dig in on a line i mean just take mm-hmm. a line or two yep and just really mm-hmm. spend a week with one sentence mm-hmm. and that that might be the most encouraging thing um we get a lot of um performance anxiety is what I hear you saying, mm-hmm. when, especially when it comes to the scripture. For those of us that have grown up in a Protestant and evangelical leaning tradition that holds the scripture high, there's a lot of performance anxiety that I need to imbibe the scripture this way, the way my preacher does, or mm-hmm. the way my youth pastor does, or the way my mom does. And if I don't do it that way, um, then I'm not, I'm not, Cut, cutting mustard. And God's going to be frowning at me. <laughs> there was going to be a, a big <laughs> wagging of the finger. Um, shame, shame. But but to say um, that we want to have some access to it. Some access is better than no access. And what we begin with is what we, what we can do 
and not worrying so much about what we yes, can't do. Yes. And so it really is a, it's a developing an appetite um, mm. for the scriptures. Mm-hmm. I, I confess a lot of my Christian life in ministry, I did not like the Bible. Mm-hmm. Sure. I appreciated the ideas. I felt rewarded by a good sermon or a good time of Bible study, but I did not enjoy it until mm-hmm. I learned my, my personal, that's why I'm asking you what your way is, mm. you know, what sure. my way was, very much just like, I'm going to grab like what you're saying, a little morsel and hang on to it. And I'm not good at memorizing either. Mm. So, um, you know, I'm trying to stop saying that, that I'm not good at memorizing. Oh, good. Because, um, I mean, that's my inclination and I I bet I'm worse than you. Yeah. I mean, from a technical (laughs) standpoint, I would almost, you know, I I can't really get my own phone number down. Thank you. Right. Well, so, oh, you too. Do you know your phone number? (laughs) (laughs) Well, what you're saying is it says self-fulfilling prophecy or the get up. Well, no, I'm, I'm trying to avoid it because I'm measuring memorization based off of what I can recite. Uh. I want to measure it based off of what I can live That's and what's yeah. going to pour out of me. So like we're working with the fruit of the Spirit, mm-hmm. you know, I want, to, I want to memorize them. So mm-hmm. I'm, in my living gentleness, mm-hmm. in my living mm-hmm. uh, peace, mm-hmm. I mean, that's much more important than if I can, you know, on the yeah. back, you know. So that's I'm trying to avoid saying I'm bad at it yeah. because what I really want is I want to live it. Good. And even if I can't recite it on cue. Pass the Bible quiz, huh? <laughs> That's so helpful. Thank you, Nathan. So, yeah, the the uh, the tricky nature of doing these kinds of, of interviews, conversations is I want to ride that line of I think most of us want to grow in some of the practical mm-hmm. means. Um, and it's so ironic that we don't end up talking about the very things that are at the, the core of our faith practice, because we're afraid of prescript, prescribing mm, mm-hmm. it, or we're afraid of our self-righteousness. And so I'm wanting to ride that line of mm-hmm. how to carefully open mm-hmm. the door, but not uh, um, to make a spectacle of my inner life with God. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so I thank you for uh, your candor in this discussion. And I'm, I'm positive this uh, discussion and your words and contribution will be encouraging and inspiring to several people. So oh, cool. <laughs> thanks for meeting with me. And I My pleasure. hope we get to do this again. Hey, sounds good. Okay. <laughs> I appreciate Nathan's caution to not overstate or overprescribe his practice of prayer. So I want to say this again. The invitation is to your personal relationship with God, not to my relationship, not to Nathan's, but to discover your prayer. What is the spirit of Jesus nudging you toward right now in your own discipline? We say that Christianity is not a religion, but instead a relationship. But then we approach that relationship in only one or two ways. Most often these are ways not even suited for us. Something that our parents or grandparents had done. We need to discover our prayer. And so this is why we've put together the prayer guide, 40 ways to spend five minutes with God available on the website. This is my attempt to quickly show you that there is freedom in pursuing God. 
On one hand, it's not helpful to put people like Nathan on a pedestal and to encourage any hint of self-righteousness. But on the other hand, I fear that we don't talk practically enough about what prayer is. We talk about our inner lives so rarely, we're left needing to make assumptions about how to practice prayer. And then we end up without even recognizing it, that no one is praying. We know that we're invited to the life of Jesus, but a real conversational, interactive relationship with Jesus it just ends up seeming unrealistic and unattainable. I love the title of Nathan's book, The Making of an Ordinary Saint, My Journey from Frustration to Joy with the Spiritual Disciplines. In it, he writes, quote, In a sense, there is only one discipline, an active response to a loving God. That is the ultimate faith question. How do we respond actively to God's invitation to love? So well said. So before you turn away from this podcast, take some time to listen to the Spirit. What is the Spirit stirring in your own heart and mind? What is the next step in your relationship with Jesus? As you and I continue to journey together, please, please feel free to write me with any questions or thoughts. I love interacting with people, especially in writing. You can reach me at josh at invitationpodcast.org. And also, if this podcast has been helpful to you, please share it with your church or your friends. And I'm also excited to share this conversation with you because Nathan is currently in the process of writing and recording the next long format retreat for the Invitation Podcast. The idea is he will post the retreat on the Renovare website, and then we'll discern more about our future collaborations. And I should also mention that Nathan interviewed me for his podcast on the Renovare website. So I invite you to check that out at his website at renovare.org forward slash podcast that's r-e-n-o-v-a-r-e dot org if you haven't already signed up for our mailing list please do so on the website if you're on the mailing list you'll be sure to get an email announcement when the next long form retreat led by nathan foster is available online so until next time i pray that you will continue to grow in your ability to hear and to actively respond to the Spirit's invitation to love Jesus with your whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. Amen.